You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Washington is unique. The opportunity for students is amazing. I wanted to be around that level of excellence. I have a passion for service. Learn more and apply at wasm.education. That's wausm.education. Hi. And welcome to the very first episode of Who Did What Now? With me, your host, Katie Charlwood, lover of cheese and reader of books. Oh, wow. You're thinking that was very smooth for your very first go, wasn't it? Um, Because this is the third time I've recorded it. So uh, the first time, the recording didn't actually take. The second time, turns out I actually got a major fact wrong because... All the articles I was looking at regarding one of the topics completely ignored another part of it. So everything I said about a certain part of it was wrong. This is a history podcast, which is not your history class. I, I, if, if you're under the age of 18, I would suggest not listening because there's probably going to be some profanity. Listener discretion is absolutely advised. So... I thought, what would be a really good idea for the very first episode? What could I do? There'd be a nice, light, easy entry in this. Well, um, I thought, why not talk about the 1970 Miss World pageant? But before we get into that, I should probably tell you a little bit about me. I own a comic book store. I think I'm the only woman in Ireland that currently owns a comic book store. I could be wrong, but I'm also in the middle of a pandemic, so very soon I could be wrong, depending on how this goes. <laughs> Small business owner. But I am also jack of all trades. Master of one, maybe? I'm technically a social scientist. I have a, I have a degree in social science. It's uh, So I'm mainly focused on history, sociology, and... A little bit of psychology, so that's kind of where I I'm my main sort of focus of of topics were. And I have come to learn about myself that I am a boring person with an interesting past, and I love history. I love history. I find we're either taught ancient history, and we're usually told it as in facts, date, date, event, date, event, and there's no real flavour to it, and then. Even with modern history, which I find is from like 1870 to 1970, 
it's it's a lot of dates, repetition and regurgitation, and it's not fun. History is not boring. I mean, a lot of it's depressing, but it's not boring. There's really interesting stuff that happens throughout history. And yes, I did create this podcast just so I could talk about stuff I like. It's mainly so I can talk about, I think they're technically called grape bricks, because I'm going to talk about grape bricks. Grape bricks are my jam. But uh, I've been calling them wine blocks for years, but they are my favourite thing in all of history. It's just human ingenuity at its best. I love it so much. And we will cover it at some point, just not today. Because today we're going to we're gonna cover the most digestible thing to talk about. A beauty pageant and a feminist uprising and racial equality. Because those, those are not, those are not divisive subjects at all. Good choice, Katie, good choice. <laughs> So I guess we should um, probably just jump into it now. So here's the thing about beauty pageants. Um, I love beauty pageants. I love them. I love them. I love pageants in general. I think they're really fascinating. I love movies about pageants and TV shows. Like, it's the only reason I watched Insatiable, which was not good. I felt like it had key elements, which could have been great if utilised correctly. But... It was the delivery was bad, just bad. I actually do some pro bono work for a, a a small Irish pageant, which is not a beauty pageant. It's it does get compared to the lovely girls competition from Father Ted quite a bit, but it's not that either. It's it's its own thing. And I think when something is its own thing, it's very difficult to compare it to anything else, and people get annoyed by that. But anyway. So we're talking about the 1970 Miss World contest, where it was disrupted by feminism. Well, let's go back in time, Ali. So the Miss World contest actually started in 1951. It is the longest running beauty pageant in the world, and it's one of the top four. Uh, Miss Universe, which started a year after. Uh, Miss Earth, which is... It has more environmental concerns. It deals with that. And there's another one whose name I don't remember. And then Miss World. So Miss World is created in 1951. Is part of the Festival of Britain by Eric Morley, who's part of the... He runs the Mecca Leisure Group. And he did it because he was like, I want to get people into my my dance halls. Because that's what you did in the 50s. We didn't have nightclubs. Uh, You had dance halls. And that's where you went. And everybody knew how to dance. And I would like that. I would love to have like had to learn to dance to go to dancing instead of just like weirdly shimmying from side to side like we did in the two thousand in the late two thousands. Just like, what did you do? Oh, I just swayed from side to side to whatever song was playing. Did a little bit of hierography, just like swinging my hair about. But anyway, it was initially part of a it was it was created to promote the bikini. Because it was they had that's the reason the swimsuit part is actually a major part of it. It took me a long time to figure out why the swimsuit was relevant and to think if I had just looked it up <laughs> I would have known. I'm still not keen on it. I'm not keen on it, but it's fine. So and it was all about promoting swimwear in the bikini which had just been invented, or at least 
had just been discovered by white people. So the very first year, you know, the, the winner was actually crowned in a bikini, which I don't think has happened since. And it caused such a scene at the time that bikinis were actually banned then. So the whole point it was it existed, bikinis were then banned for years. So the media dub it Miss World because all these contestants, these beautiful women from all these different countries were involved. And the following year, when he heard, Eric Morley, heard that Miss Universe was being created. So he then registered Miss World and it's been called that ever since. So the Miss World contest ha is absolutely no stranger to controversy. But the one I want to talk about is the 1970 Miss World contest. The 1970 Miss World pageant was a wild ride. The funny thing is about it, even though this event was 50 years ago, it just shows you that how much and how little has actually changed since then. And it's, it's a really interesting point in time because it's where all these major events in history were overlapping. So you've got the, so it's the era of apartheid in South Africa and you've got the women's liberation movement um, not only in the UK but all over the world. And then of course you've got a civil rights movement in the US and all of these come crashing together in this moment. And what I find really interesting is one of the main points of why, why the 1970 Miss World was so important and it's a point, it's actually a major turning point in history and it's very rarely mentioned. I didn't even know anything about it until I watched a movie called Misbehaviour with Kieran Knightley. I'm terrible. I cannot watch Bend It Like Beckham because every time I watch Bend It Like Beckham, I really want to start playing football. It just makes me want to exercise every time I watch that movie. I probably should watch that movie. I'd probably get more done. But <laughs> So from about 1959, the Miss World Contest was actually televised and it was probably one of the most watched events on live TV by 1970. So in 1970, you had 20 million people in the UK watching and there was like 100 million worldwide. And population-wise, that's a fair amount. And that's watching it live. But right here, right now, November 20th, 1970. The reason I remember the date is because it's my birthday. <laughs> so, oh my God, I totally forgot. Miss Universe, Miss Universe, actually was owned by Donald Trump, which I vaguely remember reading about before. Oh my God, that's just... <laughs> anyway, Miss World was controversial from the get-go. I mean, before the contest even started, there was a huge uproar because for the first time, South Africa had sent two contestants, one black, one white. The organisers were effectively shamed into sending Pearl Johnson, a, a black woman, woman of colour, at the last minute because South Africa had already provided a white contestant, Gillian Jessup. So South Africa had consistently sent white contestants the entire time. So And so Gillian Jessup was Miss South Africa and Pearl, Pearl Johnson was Miss Africa South. So Miss South Africa 
and Miss Af and Miss Africa South actually became really good friends after this, but it was still a big controversy at the time. Okay, apartheid. For those who don't know, apartheid was an official policy by the South African government from and it ran from nineteen forty eight to nineteen ninety four, and it was a policy of racial segregation and white supremacy. So most people have heard about Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela was a political activist. The South African government would call him a terrorist at the time. And he was imprisoned. And Nelson Mandela went on to become the very first black president of South Africa. I learned who Nelson Mandela was because he met with the Spice Girls. <laughs> the women's liberation movement was sort of gaining speed all over the world. It had... BBC, as you know, the BBC, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Company, whatever. So the BBC vans are all outside and a BBC van gets bombed. Nobody's injured, nobody's nobody's dead, nobody's hurt. Um, it, it was basically the women's love movement trying to stop the televising of the event. They had an idea that something was going to happen. The contestants didn't. The contestants were completely oblivious. It was very much hidden from them. Uh, the the Miss Sweden that year, she even said that no one had any idea. 1970 women were still expected to be the homemaker. You know, it wasn't too long before that that women got the right to vote. Because remember, when women originally got the right to vote, it was some women. It, you had to be rich, you had to be married, you had to like own land, You'd be a woman, you'd be married. You know, rich white women. Rich white women were able to vote. That was the that was the initial initial step. And then uh, you needed your husband's permission to open a bank account. You know, you couldn't get medical procedures done without your husband. I mean, this was still a time where if you got married, you were expected to quit your job, go home, and become a housewife. You were it was very much that nuclear family sort of situation you had to be this but they were also against another thing they were against was this I heard I put it this idealization of beauty and that a woman's worth is related to how she looks what you say this was the I mean that's certainly not a problem now for fuck's sake so back to the night in hand November 20th 1970. Hundreds of women's liberation protesters had infiltrated the Royal Albert Hall. And you're thinking, how did they get in? Did they dig their way in, allow the great escape? Did they crawl in through some air ducts or whatever the hell they had back in the back in the day? No. No, no. They bought tickets. And this is the part that the 1970 Miss World Contest is known for. Like, if it is known for anything, it's known for this. Bob Hope, aged comedian Bob Hope, was on stage. He was back, even after, quote-unquote, an incident with one of, the, one of the contestants many years earlier. So, Bob Hope, I don't know who he is, Google him, I'm, I can't be arsed. So, he is on stage, being a sexist twat, I mean, he's so used to saying whatever in a circle and getting away with it because, you know, misogyny, misogyny was just par part of the parcel. 
You know, that was just how things were. And he's just making generally demeaning comments about the contestants, about their looks, and, you know, that sort of smarmy, a little bit dirty kind of joke. And he's going around doing his fucking shit. And whoop, probably for the first time in his life, flower bomb. Like baking flour, not not like bouquets. They weren't like throwing dandelions at him like, ha you're going to piss the bed tonight, Bob. Uh, no, it was it was like flour, baking flour. And they had those, uh, those rattles, the football rattles. I'm actually doing the movement. I'm doing the spinning movement with my hand, the clickety-clack. So it's a clacking spinner and it makes a lot of noise. And Bob freaks out because he thinks that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a spark. He, he thinks it's like a firecracker sound, so he thinks it's a bomb-bomb. And, you know, he just... So he freaks out and runs off stage. So the protesters, they're pissed off. You know, they're unhappy about the objectification of women and they wanted to send a clear message about the fucking misogyny. So, flower high and stink bombs away. I read this consistently two ways. The... First is that they had planned to cause a commotion during the swimsuit parade. And another states that they never wanted to embarrass or upset the women taking part. They were always planning to, you know, go for the entertainment section. There's controversy number two. (laughs) Controversy number three, coming your way. Miss Sweden, uh, Marjorie Crystal Johansson, was tipped to win, but ended up being like the Fourth of she didn't even know that the protesters were there until after the pageant. Um, but she also said that nobody from the women's liberation movement actually thought to contact the women involved. Although who's to say they didn't? Because if they if they did try, the organizers of the event were very good at oh, quite clearly cutting you know the the interior group of girls off from. The rest of the scenario. Because Miss Sweden said that in, you know, in Sweden, that they were a bit more, they were, they were already going about, the rights were a bit more equal, they were going forward, you know, they felt like they were a bit more advanced. She doesn't understand why they didn't just come talk to her. I mean, she could just be blowing smoke out her arse, we don't know. And she said that, you know, they wanted the same things, but they were just going about it differently. But then another interview with her says that they didn't care about what the girls wanted or the, the contestants wanted. They were just wanted to make their opinion and it didn't matter. Which is where I made the mistake before. So, anyway, Miss World had been running for 19 years. And in those 19 years, there had never been a black winner. Like, initially when I recorded this, I had recorded that I had stated that the winner had always been white. And that was incorrect. That was, that was, that was incorrect. Because um, Rita Faria was the first Indian winner. And I think she was in, I think that was 1965. I think it was in the 60s. I think it was 65. I'll have to double check. And there was an Egyptian winner. Here's what I'm going to say. I went back and I had a little look. I went back and I had a little look at all the contestants and who had won. All the winners. Because there's photo lists of, you know, all the winners of Miss World. And I went through them all. And what I noticed about that those first, at least those first 19 years, is that every single winner, even the ones that were not European looking, it was still very much 
a Eurocentrized version of, of beauty. If you've ever seen a carry-on film, what I noticed was in this, a lot of the women looked like the exotic beauties in a carry-on film. It's, it's Coco Bananas. They're just... Okay, yeah, carry-on films are, are they're very much a moment in time. They are a time capsule of the opinions and events of the era. And they tend to be... There's there's brown face and black face and, and misogyny and... And, you know, it's... it's oh, it's, it's not good. Anyway, carry-on screaming, which has the least amount of that, surprisingly, is... <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually the best carry-on film. I will fight anybody who says otherwise. Jim Dale is a delight. Jim Dale, you may know as the narrator from Pushing Daisies, or he did the American narration of the of of the Harry Potter audiobooks. Fun fact. Oh goodness, I hope he's still alive. <gasps> is he still alive? If Corona kills Jim Dale, I'm coming for you, bitches. Anyway, back to the story in hand. I went in a big segue there. So yeah, so Rita Faria, as far as I can tell. Well, she lives in Dublin now. She's a doctor. And she lives in Dublin. And Miss World was never the end goal for a lot of women. Miss World was a stepping stone. You'll find this a lot with a lot of beauty pageants. Is that a lot of people do not see that as an end goal. They see it as a stepping stone towards the end goal. Like A lot of people have used it to progress their careers. Whether they were models, actresses. I mean, uh, is it Priyanka Chopra? Um, was and was was a Miss World. Uh, Michelle Yeoh was in Miss World. Ah, there's loads of people. Rosanna, Rosanna Dawson, R- Rosanna Dawson was Christ Berg's daughter. Rosanna was a was one Miss World one year, and people were like, she only won it because she's Christa Berg's daughter. It's like nobody likes the song Lady in Red that much. It's fine. So like I said, everyone was very everyone was light skinned. I'll say that there was no black winner. Until that night. Like, I, I do not want to... So when I initially recorded this, I had said that every winner up until in those 19 years had been white. And that was... That was erasure. That was my own fault for not looking up. And... Which is why I've re-recorded this for the third fucking time. Because I did consider just going, Oh, when I said this, I meant this. Or I found out this. And I had a little addendum on it. But... These people deserve more than this. So that night, November 20th, 1970, for the first time in history, a black woman was crowned Miss World. Hey y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, in St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps.
I'm Helena Bonham-Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes, a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. Fun fact, unless you look up specifically this incident, it's actually difficult to find the first black woman to be crowned Miss World. I looked it up. And like even they have like a little list of the first African winner, the first American win, the first African American winner, the first uh, Indian winner, the first East Asian winner. They have that, but nowhere, nowhere in the list is Miss Granada, Jennifer Hostin. If I've pronounced her name wrong, I'm so sorry. One thing I have learned, I used to be so bad for this when I was younger, but. Never mock someone for being unable to pronounce something because it means they learned it by reading it and not hearing it, and that's the difference. Not only did Jennifer Hostin win Miss World, but Miss Africa South, Pearl Jansen, was first runner-up, so she was second place. And this was unprecedented. Like, having two black women at the top of this in general, white-dominated, you know, pageant where European looks were the bomb. It was just bananas. It was it was it was cuckoo pot. So, a little history about the winner, the first black winner of Miss World, Jennifer Hostin. So she was born in Granada in 1947. She was she studied in London, worked for the BBC Caribbean Radio Service, and then went on to be a flight attendant. Probably would have been called an air hostess back in the day, but now flight attendant. After winning Miss World, she went on the the USO tour with Bob Hope. And after getting married, she moved to Canada, earned a master's degree in arts and political science. Woo! And international relations. Cheer for political sciences! International relations. And from Carleton University, Ottawa. She has two kids, a son and a daughter. She goes on to become a Canadian diplomat. And as far as I know now, but did Jennifer stop there? No, no. She becomes a diplomat. And then what? Haha. <laughs> and then she gets a master's in counselling. And currently, as far as I know, is working as a therapist. And she's got five grandkids. And she has it all. And she published a memoir, which I have ordered, but it still hasn't delivered yet <laughs> because of the pandemic. But I didn't want to wait too long before recording my first episode because clearly, clearly I needed the practice. Pearl Johnson, who came second, her life didn't really change much. Well, because of, dun dun dun, apartheid. She was back living in a township, back in segregated South Africa. And she'd lost her machinist job. And everyone thought she was rich because, you know, she came second in Miss World. So it didn't really help her. But she did get her dream, eventually. Because when, because at the age of 58, she got her dream job and she became a singer. Again, we're going to go back to the night in question. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about the top two winners. 
are sort of discounted and not really mentioned enough in history and I think it's far too easy to focus on the issues of the contest instead of the women involved because there's still people and I think it's too easy to ignore the people who get involved because a lot of people use it as a stepping stone but no I'm not going to go into rant right now anyhow so the Sweden Miss Sweden was you know she was tipped to win she was a favorite she was <laughs> she was blonde she was blue-eyed she was beautiful she had legs for days this is why I shouldn't do accents anyway so Grenada's first uh Miss Africa South the second and the audience members go wild the good the good stiff upper lip of British public, what do they do? So they stomp outside and they congregate in the street and they start chanting, Sweden, Sweden, Sweden. I don't know why I made them sound German. I mean, maybe they were just ABBA fans. Wait, was ABBA around yet? Doesn't matter. I'm keeping it in. So next thing you know, it's all chaos in the media. So the BBC and the newspapers are all receiving complaints and accusations about the results. And there's racism from both sides. So Daily Shitrag, The Sun, said that Miss Granada's victory was a conspiracy by black members of the judging panel. Alright, so, the Prime Minister of Granada was on the judging panel. And so people were thinking, oh, it was probably rigged because he was on it. Uh, they even touch on that in, in the movie. In the movie Misbehaviour with Miss Kira Knightley. But there was loads of judges. So but a lot of the judges were from other participating countries. Oh, there was more than one black judge. Ergo, the black person won. Ooh. Oh, the whites are being oppressed here. So the main issue was, like, a lot of people didn't understand the voting system. So Grenada got two first place votes and Sweden got four first place votes. And this is out of nine people. But this is the point system is probably closer to, like, proportional representation than it is a first-past-the-post system. So, Hostin, Miss Granada, got more second, third, fourth, and fifth markings than all the other finalists. So, all in all, she had more points at the end than the other finalists had. So, due to this controversy, Julia Morley, Eric Morley's wife, had to resign from her position at in a Miss World. People just couldn't understand the voting system and they thought it was rigged and whatever. Her doting husband, Eric, had to physically show the voting cards and explain the voting system to show that it hadn't been some nefarious scheme. Because he showed up with receipts, Julia was able to skip back into her job again like nothing had happened. Hooray for nepotism. Like I said, a lot of, for a lot of these women, it's not just... Miss World. I mean, for some, it is. This is the pinnacle of their career. This is what they want. This is a goal they want to achieve completely. And for others, it's a stepping stone to other things. Miss Granada Jennifer Hosen said that Miss Africa South, Pearl Johnson, said to her, winning the contest was, was about more than just representing their countries. It was about breaking the barriers of Eurocentric beauty standards and norms. Like I said, even even the women who were not white, the women of colour that they did have were still very much what the European standard of exotic. I hate that term. Like, the only thing that should be exotic is your fruit, okay? People are not exotic. Fruit is. 
but that's and mm, the man from Del Monte says fucking no. Like, I don't even has there ever been a Native American winner of Miss World? Actually, I'm gonna have to look it up. But here's the thing: black is beautiful, brown is beautiful, white are beautiful. I mean, we're kind of we're kind of peachy beigey, but the I say that as the human equivalent of mayonnaise. And I I don't want to say any other colours because I because it it's just being dismissive and <sighs> racist, and I'm not I'm not here for any of that bullshit. So I was looking through articles about Miss World and like the first ABC winner, the first DEF winner, so on and so forth, but there was no mention of 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 Jennifer Hostin at all. And for the record, um, the reason I'm saying black so much is because I kept saying women of colour throughout when I when I, the the first and second time I recorded this, I kept saying women of colour, and so I completely erased. Other winners, like a fucking dick. And here's the thing, the women's liberation movement, women's liberation disruption of the event basically overshadowed what was, you know, the the first black women to win Miss World. I mean, in fairness, they had no idea it was going to be such a historic event. I mean, if your feminism isn't intersectional, it isn't feminism and you can fuck right off. Thank you very much. I mean, so here's the thing. I I was trying to look up seeing if there was ever a Native American Miss World. And as far as I can tell, there wasn't. If there was, just um, tweet me. Let me know. So there's no transgender, no openly gay, no queer women. This is... Wow. See, this is why Miss World really needs to get with the times. Oh my god, I forgot to mention. Right, so, So the bikini was banned. It's like a lot of countries with religious reasons and traditions they basically said uh they weren't going to send any any women to it in the future because of the bikini situation which is probably why the second year of miss world had like the least amount of people but uh the pope even was like "Mm -mm, none of this stuff so he, he 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 was outspoken against it so that got taken away so basically when you got crowned as miss world you would wear a swimsuit so they would wear like modest swimwear and then in 1976 it was when you got in 1976 they were like evening gowns which is why now everyone gets crowned in an evening gown so at one point bikinis were allowed back in i think but then in 2013 because it was in bali they had to wear they had to wear like a really modest swimsuit with a with a traditional sarong because you know for you know out of respect but apart from that, it's like I think the very first winner is like the only one ever to be ever to be crowned in a bikini. So yeah. Uh basically late seventies, early eighties, Julia Morley comes up with the, the idea of beauty with a purpose. So it adds sort of bits about intelligence and personality, so it wasn't just look at the pretty girl in her pretty little swimsuit. And it's like, but have you ever seen those some of the questions where they ask them really complicated political questions and they have to respond in what is probably the most placid answers they can possibly give while still sounding intelligent but not too intelligent here's the thing it's not really broadcast anywhere that much anymore it's it used to be on the bbc but they they stopped because they were like eh it's it's sort of it was out of fashion bbc quit broadcasting it 
then I think Sky had it for a bit, and then Channel 5, and after that, I don't know, I don't care. So Miss World Organisation, it basically, it's it's raised about over £250 million for charities, and it's a private company, it's franchised in like 100 countries, so, so I mean, if it can afford to raise and give away £250 million for, I mean, one, that's a tax write-off, and two, it is a drop in the ocean to what they must be making, you know? Like, that's how much, think about how much they have to be making in order to have that. But in general, but that's, that's how much we know, because, like, I mean, in fairness, they could give more, but because it's a, a, a private company, we can't really officially get the, the numbers of what their charitable contributions are. Mm. More controversy with Miss World. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go about this for a bit. 1973, the winner, Marjorie Wallace, was stripped of her title because she failed to fulfil the basic requirements of the job. So they got the one of the runners up to take her place, but didn't give her the, the title. Effectively, Marjorie was engaged to a racing car driver, but ended up, you know, spending some quality time with Welsh crooner Tom Jones. I mean, who wouldn't? Who doesn't love the Welsh? Well, who doesn't love the Welsh? And then her fiancé ends up dying, and she's stripped of the title. I mean, it was just bad luck for her all round. There was a winner, I think it was in the 60s, the, the winner of Miss World had her title, she was dethroned, her title was stripped from her because they discovered she had an 18-month-old child and was unmarried. Although I'm pretty sure the rules at the time for being in Miss World were that you had to be unmarried. So yeah, effectively there was like a morality clause in this. So Marjorie, before she had done it, and then this winner, whose name I can't remember, oh, it's going to bug me so much, uh, she had it. So yeah, 1976, um, countries started to boycott the pageant because South Africa kept sending kept sending like two contestants, you know, Miss South Africa and Miss Africa South, one black, one white. So South Africa competed for the very last time in 1977 um, and it didn't come back until after apartheid disintegrated in 1981. Gabriella Broom, um, Miss Germany, she won... Um, but actually had to resign one day after winning. My boyfriend does not agree of me winning. Or doesn't... Um, she said her boyfriend disapproved of it at the time. But turns out she was actually... She posed nude. Because apparently being in a bikini is fine. You know. But seeing a nipple is not fine. For some reason. She posed naked for a magazine. And as such, she quit instead of having it blasted all over the papers. Uh, in 2002, so basically in 2002, it was supposed to be held in Nigeria, but there was a woman, um, Amina Lawal, hope I've said that right, she was, she was basically awaiting to be stoned for adultery, for having a child outside of wedlock. Uh, so Catherine Sorland uh, of Norway and other contestants just decided, they were like, no, I'm not being involved in, in this. So Amina Lawal, she was Lawal, Lawal oh, I'm so sorry, I have probably butchered your name. She said that instead of boycotting, they could use their power and influence to shed light and show 
what was happening and help her cause. And in the end, that's, that's basically what happened. I mean, she was, she got some, there were some great human rights lawyers involved and effectively she gets off. So like, literally, just like country after country started boycotting. They were like, mm, not doing this. Uh, the last sort of controversy I can find is Miss World 2015. Anastasia Lynn, who was Miss World Canada, couldn't get a travel visa for China and missed the deadline. So she was declared a persona non grata by the Chinese embassy in Ottawa because she openly criticised China's human rights violations. <gasps> so uh, she actually ended up being able to play. So she was allowed to compete in Miss World 2016 because they were like, ah, maybe not. So that's Miss World. So finally, the women's liberation movement. Like, there was rumblings about it. It wasn't huge. But then, when this went together... So, but because of this, because of, you know, the flare bombs, the stink bombs, the water pistols, the clickety-clackers, and all the stuff they had going on at the time, they ended up, you know, it actually brought publicity to the cause that they just didn't have before. So, the Women's Liberation March in 1971 was much bigger than they ever thought it was going to be. Because people were so aware and they were still, you know, they were still, you know, hopped up from you know, what they did at Miss World, because that's a fucking huge thing to do on an international stage, you know what I mean? And so, which really helped, you know, kickstart things for the women's right mo rights movements for that, what, I think, what was that, second wave of feminism in, in the UK? I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with this. See, I think Miss World, for what it was at the time, was fine. For what it was in the 50s, in its inception, it hasn't really grown that much and I think it's fine having a purpose but it needs to be open I mean I think it's insane that there's no openly gay people in beauty pageants why everybody has to have flowing locks of voluminous hair or why it's very much this cookie cutter style of beauty like even though they're so it's like they're very different but there are certain components that are very much the same here's the thing beauty queens should be plus size they should be gay they should be rainbow haired and beautiful they're beautiful regardless of your skin color or your hair color or granted beauty is in the eye of the beholder but i really don't think the beholder has to be men all the fucking time or what men think is beautiful if your feminism isn't intersectional then it ain't feminism you're just an asshole who's self-serving and i am dumb with your bullshit i'm sorry no I've, I've dealt with too many swerves and tariffs recently for this fucking nonsense. But I would love to see. So, I'm going to leave you on a happy note before, because otherwise I'm going to get angry. Some of my favourite stuff to do with pageants are some pageant movies that are amazing. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, I love it so much. I love it so much. Anything with Kirsten Dunst in the 2000s is generally gold. It is perfection. And it's worth watching. And it is a dark comedy. It is so good. It warms my heart. Um, Miss Congeniality. Also, yes. Why are all the movies about pageants comedies? Anyway, uh, Dumplin' on Netflix. Oh my god, you have to watch it. It is so good. It is, it is, it is. I cried. I cried watching it. And like, ah. Uh, but no, so those, those, you should watch those. Don't watch Insatiable. It's not good. I, I was hoping it was going to be good. It has so many... It has so many. 
great actors. It has so many interesting points that it could have made. It just feels like it consistently missed the mark and then went second star to the right and straight on till morning. I will not watch Toddlers and Tiaras. I think it's creepy to do that to babies. I'm sorry, but no. Anyway, I'm going to go before I go on to some big angry feminist rant. So adios, au revoir, and au revoir zen, my friends. Farewell! Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.